we're constantly looking for ways to expand the business. You know, it's one of my jobs, but we just need to stay focused on the core, which is serving others. And what does each deal, what does each step do to feed that, right? How are we helping people? Is this really going to be a thing that we can talk about and, and really defend and really help people move the needle? We talk about educate, grow good, right? Our job is to educate the first gen investor to grow their capital, to give to the people and the causes that are important to them. So, so if it doesn't fit in that, we just move past. Every successful entrepreneur started with one goal in mind, freedom, financial freedom and time freedom. You read books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and dreamed of one day building a successful business that you paid others to manage while you sat back and watched the money pile up. But in the real world, most entrepreneurs fail at adequately preparing their business for their exit. The exit is the essential step of creating distance between your business and your active involvement in it. The exit is the power play that gives you the freedom you desire in life. It's your business and only you can define what a successful exit is for you. So you have to own it. We're here to help you do just that. You're listening to Own the Exit. Hey, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Own the Exit. I'm your co-host, Caleb. I'm excited to be here for this episode today. We got Aaron here in the studio. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Aaron, your co-host, Own the Exit. Excited to be with you guys today. Yeah, we've got an amazing guest we're really excited about talking to. We think he's going to add a lot of value. His name's Brian Escudero. He's the founder of First Gen Foundations. It's a real estate investment firm based out of Miami that invests in multiple markets all across the United States. It's unbelievable what he's been able to accomplish. And he has a really unique focus in the type of client and investor that he's working with. I don't know if I've ever heard of anyone, Aaron, that mm -hmm. is doing exactly what Brian's doing in terms of the, the types of people people and clients that he's impacting in a really positive way. Yeah. So Brian, just want to welcome you to the show, man. Thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having us. We're really excited to be on. Yeah, man. So tell me a little bit. So the name of your company is First Gen Foundations. And I know we were talking just before the episode and you were sharing, man, I want you to share with our audience because I was really intrigued by this, that, you know, you're a first generation American. Is that correct? So tell us a little bit about yourself and then tell us a little bit about how that first gen reality has shaped and molded the massively successful business that you've built. Yeah. So, you know, my parents came from Colombia 54 years ago, came on a Tuesday, you know, my dad got here on a Tuesday and Wednesday, he was, he knew two words in English, need work. He started working on Thursday and never stopped until he retired. You know, we just seeing that really impacted the way my siblings and myself, we attack life, right? So it's, yeah. you, know, you gotta work, you gotta work hard work for every dollar, all that, which is amazing, right? And that was a great foundation that mm -hmm. my parents built. You know, my mom was a hard worker and, you know, we grew up in that. But then as we got older, you know, we had, you know, some, some measured success, you know, in, in corporate life and then, you know, taking time to really just research what things, you know, we should be doing. And, you know, we started learning about investing, right? Investing in real estate. And I had my 401k, I had an IRA, but that's pretty much it. I took a long route to finish school while I was moving up in the company. And so when I got there, I was like, wow, nobody knows about real estate, right? Like this is really a thing, right? And obviously everybody knows about it, but for us, it was new. And so, you know, went back to my wife and I was like, hey, you know, this is something that we can, we, we should be doing for your future, right? My wife had some health issues. So if there was something that happened to me, you know, something to leave our nieces and nephews behind, you know, to just continue that, that building those foundations. 
And the idea was really from a noble purpose of just trying to help people. Our first business plan, you know, in, in our core values is help. And our first duplex we were about to buy, <clears throat> my wife, you know, I'm all like giddy. I'm like, we're going to put in this good offer. We'll, we'll get the deal. And she stops me cold. It's on a Saturday morning. She's like, who are we helping? And I'm like, we're helping us. And she's like, nope. We talked about every deal that we make, we're going to help somebody. Who are we helping? And so it turned into a three, four hour conversation and just really like focused, hyper-focused the company on helping others. And so we have a, just a couple of, like our philosophy is, you know, we help the tenants, we help the property managers, we help the investors and, you know, we'll take care of each other. And so our goal is really the first gen investor. Now to some that is the first gen American investor. And certainly we talk to them to others. It's the first gen investor, the, the person that has, you know, whose family has been here for a long time, but just has never invested or those whose parents have invested. Now you're investing in a different way than your parents did. We try to make it a good audience for us because the reality is it's about growing your money, but really the impact is wh what is your legacy? Like, what is that going to look like when you're no longer here? And so we're big into serving our clients, you know, and serving the communities that we're in. And so that message has really, you know, struck a chord with people. And so that's why we've been able to push through it and, and, you know, just kind of move the needle in, in positive ways. That's amazing, Brian. I'm thinking about the Zig Ziglar quote, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll have everything that you want that you could ever want. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, and, and it seems like you've built your business around that core philosophy, which we totally resonate with. Yeah. And I, I think that would probably resonate with a lot of your investors. I mean, because we speak to a lot of investors too, and, and we've gotten those questions as far as, you know, what are you doing to add value to the apartment community, the people, you know, yeah. versus just yeah. being so profit oriented, you know? So yeah, it's really neat. Yeah. And, and, you know, the realities are, you know, we've all heard it, right? You can always make more money. You can make more time. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know if it's from our upbringing, but, you know, genuinely the ability to help others is not something that we're gifted, right? So you have to fight for that. And so, you know, talking with people that are less prone to look at profits, you know, we genuinely, we lean into the idea that we can put ourselves in a position of power to help. Right. So when, you know, I remember when I first started, I work in media and when I was a video editor and I was, I was super happy to just be stuck in a room by myself. And then I went into, you know, management. And so, you know, I had four people that I could help and then 10 and then 15 and 20 and 50 and 100, 150. And so as I started moving into those positions of authority, and I don't believe in power, right, but just authority, the idea was now I have the ability to help more people. And so now living in the multifamily space, you know, when I got my first duplex, you know, a lease was up. And so, you know, we had a lady that she, she was a solid tenant and, you know, rents were, you know, we could push them easily 150 bucks and property managers like, let's push it. And I'm like, well, she's a good tenant. Yeah. What can she afford? She can afford, you know, $50. Okay. Let's do $50. Right. And so I know that we're not going to become gajillionaires off of a single female in, you know, Tennessee. And so we can move those numbers and really help people, you know, We've been to places where when we took over, you know, there's a seat, there's a bubble in the ceiling and the tenant's like, no, it's fine. It's not leaking. It's like, no, let's fix it. Right. And so those kinds of things, they come from us knowing that we are in positions of authority to help others. Right. And it's not pity. It's not, it's just, you know, we have to pay this forward. Again, our families came, you know, from another country. Many families have been struggling in this country for a long time. We received help from others along the way. You know, I, I live a very blessed childhood. We were not rich. We weren't poor. You know, we didn't have tons of money, but the idea was we were always taught to help others. And so, you know, we're doing that as adults and, and, you know, it's, it's a great thing to do. I'd love to hear Brian, a little bit of your 
journey into entrepreneurship? Because it sounds like you worked kind of a corporate career and you're still in media and TV. Is that right? Even now? Tell us a little bit how that developed and how you kind of started your own business. What were the first steps in that? Yeah, so I started working when I was, I mean, my first probably job was like when I was like eight, but, you know, solidly since I was 13, right? So always like, just the <laughs> nice. hustle mentality that I work, you know, yeah. you know, I'm seeing your father, your mom do, you know, my aunts and uncles, like everybody's working, right? So you just, it's a thing that we did. So I got into media really early. When I was 13, I started and I've been doing it for probably about 25, 30 years now. And so again, like I said, I mentioned, I, I went to school kind of the long way, right? So I was building my career, you know, moving up the corporate ladder while I was going to school. You know, my wife had some health problems. So just kind of start and stop. So I finished school when I was 41, 41, I graduated. I had a good position and you know, now I had a degree and I got back. I was online. So I went to the graduation, got back, got COVID. And then I was like, all right, Lord, what's next, right? Is it going to be a master's degree, which is about $50,000 in three years or real estate, which I've always been interested in. You can figure it out in six months if it's something you can do. So like I mentioned, started building a business plan, you know, just trying to understand, you know, the cost, right? Financially, time-wise, emotionally. And, you know, there's sacrifice from the whole family when you're doing something like this. And so, you know, we took those initial steps in buying that first duplex, buying the second one, and then, you know, quickly we got into a six unit and single family. And then because of my corporate experience, you know, understanding the need for teams, the need to delegate, delegated tasks, mm. the need for structure, you know, accountability, I quickly partnered with my brother, who's a civil engineer by trade. And he's just smarter than me. So I needed someone that was smarter than me. And then we hired, you know, a, a business analyst. And so the idea was we could grow together faster, mm. but always because we all have the same heartbeat, you know, we're typically dealing with non-accredited investors. We, we certainly have accredited investors with us, but dealing with a non-accredited investor, you know, we know that we'll grow slower, we'll grow less, but we'll grow right. And even then, you know, we, we hit a year, you know, about a month and change ago. I went back to the original business plan and our goal was in year one was two to four units. And, you know, we just closed on, on our last indication and now we're in 181 with wow. just a little bit over a year. And so the driver has been, my mother-in-law asked me, she's like, you know, when is enough enough? And I, and I paused and I was like, you know, if we're helping people, it's never going to be enough. Right. Cause wow. I have what I need by God's grace. You know, my brother has what he needs, you know, we're fine financially. But we've been given this gift to understand this and to kind of do the research and help peel back things and walk in fear. And we help people just kind of get past that, that wall. Yeah. That's so cool. That really is cool, man. And I can honestly, like, I can just sense your genuine passion and desire to really make an impact in helping people, man. Like, it's just so inspiring. I'm kind of wired the same way. I don't want to talk about me, but yeah, I, I just really resonate with that. That's what I wanted to say. I would love, man, because, you know, this is Own the Exit, and we're talking about how business, you know, how entrepreneurs, they start building companies with kind of typically a, a shared set of core values around the idea of time freedom and financial freedom, right? And, and that, you know, Aaron has the joke. We've said it, I don't know, 10 times on the show so far. It's like... Oh, the entrepreneurs work is the only one who work 80 hours a week so they don't have to work 40. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the That's idea, the, the reason, the motivator behind that is the idea that you can achieve real time freedom, financial freedom. And the third component that we've not talked as much about that is you can make a really big impact. Yep. And so I would love to hear a little more about how, I mean, obviously you're one of those unique ones that's building a business while also working full time in another, an entirely separate industry, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so 
you obviously, it's kind of, you've almost been forced, it would seem, to build your business in such a way that it doesn't require as much of your active involvement, right? Because you you are working a full-time, you know, I would assume like W-2 type job or contractor type job, right? And so that's pretty, you're kind of in a unique situation where you're building Mm -hmm. a really successful business. I think if I understand right, you guys have like over $20 million worth of real estate. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's unbelievable to have done that while working full-time in a totally separate industry, mm-hmm. you by nature built a business that that you essentially have built in such a way it can mostly operate and run without your everyday constant attention. Tell us how you did that, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I mentioned, you know, th- there are transferable skills that you should be picking up in life, right? So whether you're, you know, I worked at a movie theater, I worked in a factory, like whatever it is, you know, grit is super important, right? Because things just don't always work out the way you want them to work out day one, day two, day 10, right? But one of the things that I learned just through my W-2 job was process, right? I'm a process heavy guy. And so we like to build systems. So one of the syndications that we first took over, Proforma was a $14,000 turn in two months. And when we got in, we, we became part of the asset management team. So tell us real quick, just for our listeners, what does that mean? We know obviously we're in the same industry, but, but, but break that down. Okay, so what we did is we, we, we got this property and our goal was, it was a C-class unit. So it was a little bit older, a little bit beat up. And the goal was we were gonna, as people left, right? Cause we wanna take people out. But as, as leases were running out, we would give people an opportunity to move to another unit that was renovated. So the renovations were supposed to cost $14,000 and take about two months. Okay. So what that means is we were gonna move that, that property from a C-class property now to a B-class property. So you're pushing the rents a few hundred dollars, you know, probably five or 600 bucks. Some people, again, just because of the cost of rent, uh, that's still a great deal. And so they say, no, I'd rather stay. So as we got in, you know, I'd like to see the tracker. I want to see, you know, how much each unit is costing, how long we're taking, this and that. And, you know, there wasn't a quick answer with that. And, and so because we use a GP structure, we bring in investors and we stay in the deal, right? And, and we do that to protect our investors, right? We're fiduciaries to the investor. So we start peeling back and... We're looking at turns that are costing $21,000 and taking four months. Well, we come in and we're like, full stop, stop it. We can't do this. We're not going to make the money that we need to pay our investors. And so, you know, again, dealing with process and systems, you know, we rescope and, you know, we bring that down now to the pro forma was a 14.5. So we're averaging shy of $14,000 now. And those turns are taking 15 days instead of two months. And so. The reason that we want to do that is because, again, the better that our investors do, the better that tenants are taken care of, we'll be fine, right? We'll get what we're supposed to get whenever we're supposed to get it. So those are the kind of skills that we were able to bring into these syndications. And then, you know, when you're getting started, there's a true fear. Like, you know, I'm a loser. I don't know anything. I'm a rookie, whatever. But, but like I said, you're gaining skills and you should be trying to acquire transferable skills, whether that's through reading, through podcasts. You can join these teams and truly add value. And so we did that well enough that when, you know, within a few months, those KPs, so those lead sponsors were now calling us. They're like, hey, we have other deals. We, you know, we love the way you guys have handled with this. With this indication, we'd like to bring you in as partners on, on these indications. You know, and we, we have our criteria. And so there was certain ones that we passed on, but we did jump into our second one. We closed in August. So I would encourage people like, hey, you know, you don't have to have all the answers right away, but there's truly something that you can add value to a team. And you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised what people need, right? What groups of people need. So it's something as simple as, you know, writing a process, you know, on, on one of the syndications, it's like the newsletter, just literally 
On the 15th, we need this info. On the 20th, we need the first draft. On the 23rd, everything needs to be closed because on the 25th, we need to populate to the general partner so they can send to the investors. Something as simple as that. And so whatever it is you're doing now, right? If you're a mechanic, if you're you know a real estate investor the single family, if you're an insurance broker, whatever it is, there's something that you can bring to the table and that truly sets you apart, right? And you want to find out what your superpower is. And so you just lean into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's your kind of exit plan, I guess, or maybe you haven't thought that through because you're just busy kind of building uh, your business still. Something you said got me thinking because you said you, you got started, you hired an analyst, you got yep. your brother. I was thinking like, okay, did you have money? Like, because there's a risk there of like getting those people on board before you really have any deals or you know, money coming in, but you did that at the beginning, which to me shows that you have a lot of foresight in like looking at the long plan of like, Hey, this isn't going to be like one deal we're going to do. This is going to be a multiple deal venture. It's going to be a business with, like you said, the systems, the processes. Are you thinking about the end already too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there has to be an end, right? So, I mean, I love working, but I don't want to work till I die. Right. And so, you know, we are setting up and, and the idea of, of process is you know, we need to set this up for someone to do when we don't want to do it anymore, right? And the goal is that we're so successful that we can just take the passive income and, and you know, just collect checks. And so our business analyst, you know, is like, hey, you know, we're going to need another CEO in 10 or 15 years, if that's what the timeline is. We're going to need that CFO. You know, we have eyes on someone that could potentially come in and be a CFO. These are long-term plans again. So one of the things that, again, that I've gained in my W-2, which, you know, a lot of people want to get out of their W-2s, but there's some value to it. There's a lot of skills that you can learn. I do a lot of strategic planning. So I'm not thinking about next week, next month. I'm thinking two, three, five years down the road. And so taking that long view has been really helpful to, you know, you just reverse engineer the thing. And so again, counting the cost of what these things are, again, financially, time-wise, emotionally, you know, if you have those goals set out, it's just easier to justify certain decisions. So, you know, for myself, my wife and I, we've worked very hard for a long time to live well beneath our means, right? And so as I've gone up in the company, you have a little bit more of disposable income. You know, we were investing, like I said, in the 401k and the IRA, and then I learned about real estate. So we just kind of like targeted everything to real estate and not in only one form of real estate. But the thought is, you know, if there's any gaps, we can cover it. But the reality is, you know, our goal wasn't by the first year and a half to be in the black and, and we are there. We work hard to not have a lot of overhead. So we're covering and, and that's, that's all we need to do right now. There's not a ton of profit. Our hockey stick growth comes at the back end of next year. And at that point, it's just growth after that. And so, you know, being able to understand that you can build that future for yourself is something that working on, on the business side is helpful. And then having a partner to argue with, right? To just, you know, really like, hey, I need you to beat up this idea and come and beat it up. And he'll bring an idea. He's like, I need you to beat this up. And we kind of pull the, the layers back. And we get down to the thing that we know is going to work. We had an opportunity to jump in on a, on a development deal. And, you know, the numbers look good. And then the question came, hey, is that what we're going to do? Is that who we're going to be? And the answer was very quickly, no. Okay, pass on it, right? So we don't spend a ton of time on it. And it could be a good deal. But again, it's going to take our eyes off of the 10-year, 15-year plan. And, and we need to stay focused on that. And it's not to say that we can't pivot and we don't. We're actually becoming GPs on another fund. And so, you know, we're constantly looking for ways to expand the business. You know, it's one of my jobs, but we just need to stay focused on the core, which is serving others. And what does each deal, what does each step do to feed that, right? How are we helping people? Is this really going to be a thing that we can talk about and, and really defend and really help people move the needle 
we talk about educate, grow, give, right? Our job is to educate the first-gen investor, to grow their capital, to give to the people and the causes that are important to them. So, so if it doesn't fit in that, we just move past. That's really amazing. I love the clarity of educate, grow, give. But you said something about having people that would disagree with you. And I, I want to talk about that a little more. And the reason why is that's the second time I've heard somebody say that recently. I've got a, a good friend who's highly kind of influential in, you know, Instagram, social media influencer, things like that. And he and I had a really cool conversation. And essentially he said, the more that you grow and in influence, the more it's absolutely critical to surround yourself intentionally with people who will tell you that you're wrong. Yep. yep. <laughs> and so, and I yep. think that's to ensure that you, whatever you're building, you know, this guy just happens to be in ministry, like Christian ministry, mm -hmm. right? He's like evangelical global influencer, right? But he's saying in order to ensure that my ministry is not built around just me and my personality, you know, I can see clearly the transferability, right? To ensure that my yep. business is not built solely around me and my skill set and my personality and my whatever. It's so important to be intentional, not just let it happen by accident, but intentionally put people around you who will tell you that you're wrong and will disagree with you. And to me, like, it's such a powerful thing. I'd love to hear more about how you've done that intentionally. And maybe our, our listeners can learn from you on how you've kind of put people around you who will say, Brian, dude, that's a bad idea. Yeah. And, you know? Yeah. You need to have a sense of humility in who you are in the grand scheme of things, right? So I know that I'm not the smartest guy. In the room. If I'm the smartest guy in the room, I'm in the wrong room, right? And so I want to bring people around me that, you know, have different skill sets, right? Again, lean into the thing that you do well. You know, even in, in my corporate life, there's people around me that I don't remember the story 100%, but it's something about in Israel, when they have the laws that are coming, it's a group of 10 people, right? And one person's job is to be the contrarian. So their job is, so if the nine people agree on the thing, that guy's job or girl's job is to just even if they agree with it, your sole focus is to tear that thing down and show everyone why it's a bad idea. A few years ago, I heard that. I was like, what a great idea. So, you know, I have people around me, you know, I manage a large team in my corporate life. And there are people that are specific, you know, I was talking with our senior vice president a couple of days ago. And, you know, you put people in the roles that they're strong at. And I said, this one person's job is to tell me why it's a bad idea, right? And you need to have two things when you do that. You need to do that with someone that you trust and that trusts you, right? Because... It's not that they're trying to shoot you down. They're trying to hurt your feelings. No, their job is to try to help you cut all the fat that you can off of that idea. Because at the core, the idea might still be good, but like, what is it that doesn't work about that? And so with my partner, again, you know, he's my, my young brother. We grew up fighting, right? Cause that's what you do. But again, he's, he's a very, very smart person. And then, you know, the business analysts and we you know we have people around this that we consider friends and then business friends and you know, people that, that we've created a relationship that it's okay to disagree with, right? And it's like, hey, what do you think about this? I think that's great, this and that. Or this is a horrible idea and it's okay. And I have thick skin, right? I have to have thick skin. And so it's important because again, maybe the idea is a good idea, but it's not for us. Maybe it's a horrible idea, it's trash. Maybe a portion of that idea is good. And the only way you're gonna do that is if you put someone around you that says, hey, let's just stop a second and let's think about this. You have to begin from that supposition. Maybe this person is right. And again, the trust factor comes in when, I know this person is not trying to hurt me. And then I can listen to you. 
No, that's so good. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you have a lot of really great business principles. We may just have to have you on the show again, but we're getting down here to the last five minutes of the show. And so we, you know, we've got five questions that we ask every guest who joins us. We call it the exit round. Brian, welcome to the exit round. Okay. So here we go. Aaron, why don't you jump in and ask question number one? Okay, Brian, what's your favorite business book? So I got to start with the classic. It's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That unleashed the how can I question versus I can't. And then just in a close second is Traction. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. We've had a number of people mention that book. It's systems, it's process, you know, and, and again, I love that. And, and it just really helps you kind of keep your focus in your business. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic, man. All right. Question number two, the exit round. We talk a lot about obviously own the exit. And so a big part of that is creating passive income. So what percentage would you say on a percentage basis of your current income would you call passive? I'd call probably about three to 5% right now. And that starts changing again with that hockey stick. That'll quickly start eating into a, a higher number. Again, our goal is 10 years. I'm told that that's way too far down the line by some of the mentors that we have, you know, but I also have a thing where I love my W2, so I don't, I don't feel like I need to leave anytime soon. All right. Uh, next, what's one thing that you wish you could do more of, but your commitments, let's say your W2 job kind of holds you back from, even though you like that job, what is more that you, that you would uh, be able to do or things that you would like to do? Yeah. So it's just time with the family, right? Again, I have a, my corporate job is busy and then first gen foundations is busy, but again, my family's all in. So they are the priority, right? So first it's the Lord, then it's my family and then it's, you know, the business ventures. And so if I could get more time back, which I know that I will. And so, you know, even as we were building this thing, you know, it was a family meeting. It was like, Hey, we're doing this thing. You know, we need your guys support, you know, please let us know if we're taking too much time away. And my wife is amazing. She's the biggest support we have. And, you know, with my partner, his family is incredible. Our family together, parents and siblings there, you know, we don't have the chip on our shoulder. Like someone said, we couldn't do it. Everybody's like all in. So it's been Come great. Mm -hmm. So good, man. Yeah. yeah. All right. So if you could go back in time, this is question four, if you could go back in time and have a conversation with your younger self about building a business, what would you tell your younger self? I would tell myself just to get started. You know, my mother, she was, she was working at a, at a job and she came back and started talking about IRAs, but she didn't really know what those were. There's just, you know, something she heard about. And so even now when my nieces and nephews, it's like, you know, I'm in there with them. Like, you got to start investing. You need time in the market, time in the market, time in the market. And then on the entrepreneurial side, it's bookkeeping. Man, I would tell myself, oh, get a bookkeeper. Like that was the thing that kicked my butt. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, feel like, I can relate to that. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's <laughs> Aaron the first I person I ever hired was a bookkeeper. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I took a little bit of time and I, you know, I'm like, man, I'm so sorry. I'm not this disorganized. It was a mess. Yeah. So, but we got it going and we're in a good spot. Come on. Okay. Last question. And you, you already touched on this a bit, but what's your strategy for creating time freedom and financial freedom? And I think you've kind of touched on that, but any other thoughts there? Yeah. So we talk to people a lot about, you know, everybody thinks that they want to be a real estate investor. But most people just want to invest in real estate. Being a real estate investor is, is hard. It takes time, a lot of effort. And so, you know, as we, we begin to get some of those bigger checks from the syndications and, you know, we'll be doing refis on the properties and selling and stuff. It's just all that money goes to passive, right? So mm -hmm. don't invest what you're not able to lose. And then just put things, you know, you need to diversify, get yourself, you know, a, a decent wide portfolio, you know, yeah. different asset classes, different locations, different types of, of investments. 
And as we're building that, we'll just get that time back, you know? So I'm excited about it. You know, I'm still young enough to hustle, but I don't want to do it forever, right? Again, 10, 15 year time. If I could be retired by the time I'm 55, I'll be very happy. And again, there's there's no reason for me to, I want to have the opportunity to do mm -hmm. it. I don't know yeah. if I will, I want to have the option. That's cool that you differentiate between being a real estate investor and investing in real estate. I'm going to remember yeah. that one. I yeah. like that. The That's difference a... between being active and passive. So yeah. very yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 Yes. So Brian, how can people get a hold of you? You help people. You said one of your core values is education. How can people connect yeah. with you to get educated about you guys, about real estate, invest with you if they're interested, all those things? So I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, right? Brian Escudero. And then our website is firstgenfoundations.com. And we're active on Instagram. So we post a lot of okay. education material on Instagram, on LinkedIn. And then we have articles on our website. I invite people to look at our investment thesis on our About Us page. Mm -hmm. It just talks yeah. about what we look at and what, you know, as an investor, you should look at, yeah. you know, from markets to job growth to population growth. And it just, you know, we try to just lay out how we evaluate properties before we get into something. And this is, those are good starting points. And then, you know, we'd love to just chat with people, you know, more than most, right? So a lot of investment firms, they're going to give you a half hour. And again, since we're dealing with first-gen investors, those costs take longer than that. We're willing to do it more because our goal is to educate, whether that's investing with us or investing on your own, mm -hmm. or we'll even say, you know, I'll say, I don't have a deal. I can point you to someone that, that I know is working on something. Go talk to them, you know, and we're happy to do that. Come on. That's so good, Brian. Man, it's been such a pleasure having you on here. I feel like I've learned Thank a lot. Guys. Yeah, just wanting to, yeah, help people, you know, continue to own their exit. I feel like you've been able to add a lot of value to our listeners in that regard. And so thank you so much for jumping that. on. And so, well, that kind of concludes this episode of our show. I just wanted to let you guys know as our listeners, uh, you guys are amazing. We just found out this week as of the recording of this episode that we've hit the top 40 entrepreneurship podcasts in the United States. You know, we're super humbled by that. And so if this show's meant something to you, I would love, it would mean a lot to us to help us reach more people. If you would go ahead and subscribe, if you haven't already, leave us a review and then share it with some of your entrepreneur friends. Yeah. And so go ahead and do that. We'd really appreciate it mean a lot to us and help us continue to grow and reach more people with the message of Own the Exit. Aaron, any final co closing words, man? Yeah, Brian, thanks for jumping on and thanks for all of our listeners. It's been really great. This has been an inspiring interview and show for me personally. So I'm going to go back and go through these notes. You, you dropped some knowledge on us, Brian. So thanks again. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Super Have grateful. Until next time, Own the Exit. Own the Exit. Thanks for listening to another episode of Own the Exit. Remember, it's your business and you can define your exit however you want. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. Your feedback means the world to us and it helps us reach more people just like you who are looking to own their exit.